What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 39 of the B-Team podcast. I'm your host, Eric Busby, and tonight is going to be a little bit different than what we're accustomed to. Uh, I'm riding solo. Ben left me. He ditched me. He doesn't love me anymore. So you're stuck listening to me and just me for the first half. Second half, we'll have our golf panel on, talk about the U.S. Open this week, all the live stuff that happened, and uh, it's going to be a good time. So sit back. Enjoy, listen, like, subscribe, tell me I'm terrible. I don't really care. So on the docket for tonight, we have some NBA Finals talk. Stanley Cup playoffs are raging on. The Stanley Cup Finals are finally here. Uh, I'm going to give a very dumb prediction for that. We have some MLB, a little F1, and uh, college baseball because a lot of stuff happened this week, and it was very interesting. But hopping into the NBA Finals, the Warriors are now up 3-2. to two. Looks like the Warriors are going to win their fourth title in the last, what, seven, eight years. And it's just a reminder that good things do happen to bad people. It's a shame. Never has a fan base made me as irate as the Warriors fan base did this season. Don't really have anything against any of the players for the Warriors. Maybe Draymond, he's annoying. But Steph Curry looks like he's going to win the MVP. It might be a legacy award at this point if he plays again like he did uh, in game five. I think it was 0 of 9 from three. First time in his playoff career, he hasn't made a three. He did have nine assists, I believe. Contributed a lot to the win. Steph is always one of those guys where he's a magnet whenever he's out on the court. You have to guard him with two or three guys or at least have two or three sets of eyes on him at all times. It's one of the big things that Steph uh, Steph fans will always say is just his gravity on the court. The same thing that the Grizzlies used to say about Jay Crowder, except Steph Curry is actually, like, good at basketball and good at shooting. Draymond Green was better in game five. Had a whopping eight points. Eight rebounds, six assists. Did fell out again for the third time in five games. Continued the antics, trying to take the ball from Jason Tatum, walk into a timeout. Uh, uh, Draymond's playing a different sport than everyone else. I don't really know what to say. Draymond's one of those guys that will say that the refs aren't on his side, but gets away, consistently gets away with more than everyone else in the NBA. And, uh, that mantra is carried true in this um, NBA Finals, where, like we said last week, or like I said last week, Draymond gets the good old scripted tech. The uh, He plans it all out, and then, bam, they're just done calling him for text for the rest of the game. Uh, granted, Draymond's doing a lot of fouling anyway, so the text don't really matter if you're fouling out. It is what it is at this point. Going back to Boston for game six, Jordan Poole continues to be one of the more annoying people in the league. I don't know if people have realized this yet. Really popped on the my radar in the Grizzlies series. Jordan Poole, especially for Warriors fans, like it's got to be kind of infuriating every now and then. He'll sit there and dribble, 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 shimmy, dribble, dribble, shimmy, 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 dribble, airball a three. He'll do that two or three times. Doesn't really play defense all that often. And then hits a deep three to end the half or hits a deep three to end the quarter. He did it again in game five. In the third quarter, bang to three, no time left, almost half court. 
So whenever you get him rolling along with Steph and Clay and Draymond, it's really hard to beat. And they have a couple of guys, uh, Otto Porter and um, Andrew Wiggins, obviously. We'll talk about we'll talk more about him here in just a second. That you know, they can really lock you down on defense and put up some points on offense. And it stinks because uh I thought the dynasty was over. It just keeps going. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't feel like either team is all that good. I feel like this is going to be a finals that we look back at in a couple of years and uh, kind of be like, you know what? These are two good teams. Neither one of them great. And I guess this is just one of those NBA finals that, you know, it happens. It happens in the playoffs in every sport. Like sometimes just a not great team wins. Doesn't always have to be that way. It probably means that there's more parity in the NBA than we're used to seeing. But Kind of had the feeling that the an upstart team was going to dethrone Golden State at some point this playoffs. Uh, I stupidly thought that the Grizzlies wouldn't in round two. Kind of bought into the Mavericks, but I thought Golden State was just better than the Mavericks. I predicted Golden State to win in seven, I believe. Uh, ended up being much less of a contest than that. In Boston, you kind of thought we put up a better fight. In Boston, I mean, like the series has been fine. It's another one of those things where, like, the final score, the final scores have all been huge, you know, double digits. But I did, I don't feel like either one of these teams are that much better than the other. It's a weird paradox. I don't really know how to describe it. But, yeah, it looks like it's going to carry on. Um, I do have a take with Andrew Wiggins I want to fire off here. And luckily – you know, all of four people listen to this, so it's never going to get picked up by anyone important because the national media has very much so decided that they're not on my side. The revisionist history that we have with Andrew Wiggins, like the the giving him his flowers that we're doing this postseason, has not just begun, but has full-on irked me. Andrew Wiggins comes to Golden State after five or six years in Minnesota, four or five, six years in Minnesota. And now all of a sudden decides to play defense and rebound and hustle. And we're supposed to be like, you know what? Good for Andrew Wiggins. We're proud of Andrew Wiggins. Like, okay, if you would have hustled in Minnesota, maybe you wouldn't be in this situation. We're just supposed to forget that like his his that was his big his big thing in Minnesota, right? Was that he, he didn't give the effort that you wanted of a number one overall pick. He was the top recruit in high school, number one overall recruit in high school, best prospect since LeBron James, everyone said. Really good his freshman year at Kansas, went number one overall in the draft. It seems like we just have such a low bar for Andrew Wiggins. Like now we're just supposed to forgive everything that he did his first couple of years in the league because Oh, he was playing for a bad organization. Sometimes it's not the organization is what I would say. Granted, Minnesota does sort of kind of have a history of this happening to them where people get better after they leave. There's been talk of him winning finals MVP. I don't want to live in a world where Andrew Wiggins is finals MVP, but we already live in a world where Andre Godala won finals MVP for holding LeBron to 35-8-8 or some ridiculous stat line because he guarded him once or twice down the court. Flopping over to the Boston side, 
I don't know if I'm the only person that feels this way. Maybe I expected too much from Tatum and Brown. I feel like they've been sort of underwhelming. I, I know the stats have been good. Like, I think in game five, Tatum was 10 of 20, five of nine from three. A couple of rebounds, a couple of assists. Brown was pretty bad. I think he was five of 18, if I remember correctly. But it just seems like they're always sort of a step slow in their decision-making. Uh, maybe the Warriors have been running this system for so long that maybe I'm just being naive to think that everyone should operate on the same level. But it seems like they're turning the ball over at just a ridiculous clip. Uh, always late with a pass, always late with a decision, second-guessing decisions. I don't know. But to me, it feels like they're just it, – it, it's their first trip to the NBA Finals. I don't really know what, what, what more there is there. It's a young team trying to figure it out. I think Boss is going to be just fine moving forward with those two. Robert Williams has been awesome, like potential best player on the court. Or as everyone likes to say, you know, he's the most important player. Uh, defensive player of the year candidate next year. I'm going to go ahead and mark that one down. Going back to Boston for game six. I suspect Boston will win that one. I predicted Golden State in seven before the series started. I'm going to stick with it. Unless Boston is just completely gassed at this point. This will be their – if they make it there, this will be their third straight game seven this postseason. So we'll see how it holds up. Uh, my last real big takeaway so far in the NBA Finals is that the refs just continue to be bad. We shouldn't be surprised by this because it's been a theme for years in the NBA. But game five, they've rewarded a lot more flopping than it seemed like they had been doing. But granted, whenever you have Marcus Smart on the court and Jordan Poole, you're going to see some flops. I just prefer them not fall for it. Uh, and I would uh, very much so enjoy them actually abiding by that rule that said, hey, we're going to tech you for a flop or fine you for a flop. But it seems like that kind of stopped a couple of years ago. I don't think Boston would have won game five regardless because they were just too careless with the ball. And uh, I think they had a total of 10 bench points. So you're not going to win if your bench is doing is performing like that. Yeah, so my official prediction, Boston wins game six. The Warriors go back home, wrap it up in game seven in front of a very raucous, uh, that's sarcasm, not so raucous uh, San Francisco crowd. If it was back in Roracle, maybe we'd have an argument to be made there. But in this league news, what I'm paying most attention to, you know, I, I've said for the last couple of weeks now, I'm not into this finals. I just, I can't find the interest level for me. Uh, it's the first one in a while too. Maybe I've just, this is the most NBA I've watched because my team was actually good. Maybe I just got burnt out on it after they left. I needed a break. Um, I would love, you know what? This would be homework for me for next week. I would love to find the ratings for this NBA final. See if other people are feeling the same way I am. Um, but off the court, we have some news, and it is good news. It is this league news. Everyone knows that the Currys are kind of the poster family. I don't even know if I use that phrase right, but I'm going to roll with it. For the NBA, 
But after 33 years of marriage, Dale and Sonia Curry have called it quits. But no, it doesn't end there. Sonia Curry was apparently cheating on Dale with Stephen Johnson. If you don't know who Stephen Johnson is, that's fine. He played a couple years in the NFL uh, at tight end. But he was friends with Dell in college at Virginia Tech. Now, that's an interesting part, right? She's cheating on him with, a, with an old pal from school, uh, another professional athlete. But, you know, love is love. It is what it is. But the story doesn't end there. No, no, no. Come to find out, Dell is now is now dating Stephen Johnson's ex-wife. We have a good old-fashioned wife swap on our hands, folks. So my attention for Game Six will be well on Game Six Clay because it always has to be. But secondly, are they going to show the family in the stands? Because that might be fun. Moving over to the Stanley Cup playoffs. As we said, the finals are set. We have the Lightning going for the three-peat against Colorado. I would be lying if I came over here to you guys. I know I call myself Mr. Pucks. I would be lying if I came on here and said, trust me, I got this. I'm a hockey guy. I know. The Avalanche are 12 and 2 this postseason. The Lightning, like I said, going for the third in a row would be an insane run, especially after the, the year before they were the one seed and lost to Columbus in the first round. They got swept by Columbus in the first round. This to me boils down to who's the better player between uh, Vasilevsky, the goalie for the Lightning, who's been hot, and uh, Nate McKinnon, big time goal scorer for Colorado, and Cole McCarr, I guess you add him in there, defenseman. He skates really well, shoots it really well for a defenseman. Um, I, <clears throat> I keep going back and forth on this because I think I'm an idiot. I'm going to roll with Colorado. Probably very stupidly going to roll with Colorado. Because part of me thinks that the Lightning are just going to do what the Lightning do. But I think this is going to be a long series. I really do. I think Colorado is going to win game one, which I believe is tonight as we're recording, Wednesday, June the 15th. And then the Lightning, as the Lightning always do, are going to make adjustments and win game two or three back in Tampa. But I think it's going to be a long series. I think, uh, I'll, I think I'll take Colorado. You know what? Let's make it a seven-gamer. I'm going to take Colorado in seven. I think Colorado is a better version of the Maple Leafs, which gave the Lightning everything they could handle in the first round. Granted, the Lightning ended up winning that series. Obviously, they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. But – I'm going to roll with Colorado. I've been saying all postseason they're the best team. Uh, I'm not going to back down now. So whatever they eventually lose, everyone can at me on Twitter and call me and text me and tell me I'm an idiot. These next two segments are far. These next two segments are for our fallen hero, Benjamin Mark Williams. 
I'm calling this the uh, I don't know what I'm calling this. I don't really have a name for it. But these are topics that he would enjoy. Starting off with MLB, Braves won 13 in a row. You're defending world champion Braves. And they just lost Ozzy Albies and still keep on trucking. They're a wagon, uh, not showing any signs of slowing down. Freddie Freeman, who needs him? Matt Olson is the guy now. They go for 14 in a row tonight. It would be the longest in the National League. Um, well, the Cardinals won 17 last year, but it would have been the longest in the National League for like 30 years before that. That NL East is shaping up to be an absolute nightmare, by the way, with the, Bra the Braves rolling. The Mets are still good. Uh, I think the Marlins were hot uh, coming into this week. The Phillies have been good since they fired Girardi. So it's really just the Nationals who say that they're not trading Juan Soto. I really hope they don't trade Juan Soto because the Cardinals definitely aren't getting him. I don't want him to go to the Dodgers. Just going to put that out there. I did, unfortunately, watch F1 this weekend. I don't know. I don't know how my brain's got gotten incepted into thinking that this will one day be an enjoyable thing for me. The race was at six. Uh, full transparency did not set an alarm. I talk a big game, but I'm a huge liar most of the time. I did, however, watch basically from like the 10th lap on. And if you're wondering, Red Bull stacked, uh, stacked wins again. It was Verstappen coming in first and Sergio Perez coming in second. My team continues to flounder. Uh, Ferrari, basically since I chose them, has gone to shit. Leclerc was winning. He won the poll again this week, four polls in a row, which Ben told me uh, was the most in a row that someone has won without actually winning the race. In fact, neither one of their racers even finished. They each had issues. Uh, I believe uh, signs wrecked and uh, Leclerc had some engine issues that caused him to shut down. So Red Bull has taken a commanding hold on uh, both whatever the name of the best team category is and Verstappen in the uh, world championship uh, rankings. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I don't know if there's a race again this week, but I'm probably going to tune in if there is, because I, I, I'm an idiot. I, don't, I, I, I just keep watching, hoping for something fun to happen. I think last week, fun stuff did happen. It was just after I woke up. But that's what, uh, that's what I get for trying to watch a race taking place in Azerbaijan. So last thing we're going to touch on here is the College Baseball World Series. Now, our Super Regionals took place last week. Y'all know how I usually do. If there's a lot of information, I like to throw the, uh, the big important stuff at the end. I like to fly through the beginning, get through it, and then spend a lot of time at the end talking about the the, the stuff that I find interesting. Not going to do that this week because it's my legal obligation to talk about Tennessee for a little while. <laughs> oh, you morons. All right, I've gotten that out of my system. You should be glad Ben's not here because I'm sure he had worse things to say. 
Notre Dame beat Tennessee seven to three on Sunday. And what can only be described as a glorious battle. The Tennessee people I know up here, I love each and every one of you. You're all great people. You're level-headed. You're fantastic. But your Twitter fan base and a couple members of that team just absolutely ruined that team for me. And uh, quite frankly, I was pretty excited on Sunday to watch that happen. The daddy coat or the daddy hat fur coat, don't bother me. Bat flips, fine, whatever. Everyone's having a good time. You really lost me at the flipping people off, rounding the bases, and just arguing every single call known to man. Drew Gilbert just motherfucked an umpire three times in a row and then got surprised whenever he got ejected. Figure that one out. After he had already been warned, apparently coming off the field. So, yeah. Uh, the UT dynasty, as Tony Vitello put it, which hasn't actually won anything, has been eliminated. And Notre Dame won that regional, and they, Notre Dame will be going to Omaha. Third time in their school history, I believe the first time since 2002, 2001, 2002, early 2000s. Texas beat ECU. I don't think ECU is ever going to get to Omaha. 33 trips to the regional, never been. Good every year. Cliff Godwin's got that program in a, in a good spot, but just can't seem to get over the hump. I know that they say, like, you got to knock on the door, knock on the door, knock on the door, and one day you'll beat it down. They've been knocking for, like, a hell of a long time. And uh, just hasn't happened yet. So Texas goes again. Everyone is saying this is a down year for Texas pitching. I know they were preseason top five, top ten. Um, they really only have Pete Hansen on the mound that kind of worries you. But God dang, dude, like they can smack a baseball. Ivan Melendez hit 32 bombs, which is unreal in college. Almost 100 RBIs, also unreal in college. Texas A&M beat Louisville. Texas A&M has not lost in this postseason. Uh, Schlossnagel, first year there, gotten them back in Omaha already. Um, kind of as we expected. Everyone knows Jim Schlossnagel is a good head coach and really hit the transfer portal hard, which – in today's landscape of college baseball, probably a good idea. Oklahoma beat Virginia Tech, so Oklahoma has now won the Gainesville Regional and the Virginia Tech Super Regional. This game was predetermined whenever Virginia Tech fans created uh, Super Regional champion hats, which they sold at the stadium. Upset the baseball gods. You big morons, don't do that. Sanford beat UConn. Uh, Stanford's the highest seed remaining. I don't think they're the best team remaining. Every time I watch them, I uh, they can hit. Pitching seems to be a little suspect. But they go back to Omaha for a second straight year. A lot of good guys on the team, a lot of high-ranked prospects on that team, obviously. At Stanford, they always recruit well. They're always just a well-coached team. They run into Arkansas in game one, who – Beat North Carolina 2-0, and by beat them 2-0, I mean they won that series 2-0. Arkansas got hot at the right time. They won the uh, Stillwater Regional, obviously, that high-scoring affair, and then beat North Carolina uh, two games in a row in Chapel Hill. Arkansas is unfortunately my pick to win the College World Series. Yep, not proud of it, but 
this feels very 2021 Mississippi Statey to me. I don't think any Mississippi State fan last year thought that that was our best team in school history, or at least in recent memory that's gotten to Omaha. But that's the team that got it done. And, and maybe it just takes an extra trip to get there before you work out all the kinks. And, you know, Arkansas has got a good team. Jordan uh, Jalen Battles and Big Bob Moore probably make up the best middle infield tandem in college baseball. Um, they got some guys that can swing it. Connor Nolan has gotten back on track. Uh, Brady Tiger, now the uh, back end of that bullpen, the DeSoto County product. I don't know how he left the state, but he's been logged in all year, freshman All-American. Auburn beat Oregon State in Corvallis. Auburn, high, hard-hitting analysis here. Auburn's good. Sonny Desharia, the uh, Samford transfer. Sonny D, he's a monster. They're pitching it well right now. Uh, they put up a shit ton of runs in their regional and uh, put up enough runs in Corvallis, obviously, to move on. Um, so they're a, they're a good team. And they get Ole Miss in the first game, which just an absolutely despicable performance from Southern Miss. Absolute sham of a program. Uh University should be disbanded after a performance like that. Just such a such a waste of people and talent and resources and everything like that. Just an absolute debacle. You host one of the premier colleges in your own state who you always compare yourself to. And you get shut out in both games. Don't score a run. Don't even threaten. Like, don't ever threaten to take a lead. Don't ever threaten to win. Just an absolute despicable performance. I don't, I'm so, I am, people from Mississippi, people not from Mississippi don't fully understand. Southern Miss is just that, that, that nagging little yapping dog, that, that, that gnat that's always in your eyesight that you can't get away. It's not important. You can easily disband it and do away with it. But it's always just kind of there in your face, and it's annoying. Just, just stop at this point. Well, like when, when is when is Southern Miss baseball gonna gonna be a thing? You haven't been to Omaha since two thousand nine. Yeah, you always talk about how you're 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 right there with Mississippi State and Ole Miss. You're not. It's okay. You can you can admit it. And now you're gonna go to the Sun Belt next year and play. Uh, I don't even know who's UL Monroe and teams like that. And probably put up a shit ton of wins, maybe be a top 16 national seed again, and then lose in the supers because that's what you do. This absolute despicable performance. So my prediction, I've already given up one. I think Arkansas is going to win the College World Series. Not proud of it. But if we're being completely transparent, as long as we keep Ole Miss out of it, I'm fine. Arkansas is obviously the second worst outcome, but it's not the worst outcome. Also, while I'm thinking about this, I've seen a lot of this on, on social media going around. Mississippi State fans, if you are somehow rooting for Ole Miss, you're an idiot. Uh, sorry, didn't, didn't want to put that too bluntly, but yeah, you're dumb. 
moving on. I, I'm going to ride out the Notre Dame train. I, I'm going to ride out the, the Notre Dame train. I think, uh, I think Notre Dame is a good team. Um, very easily could have gone into Starkville last year and won that super regional against the eventual national champions. And they return everyone besides Nico Cavadas. Granted, big name to lose, but Notre Dame's a really freaking good team. They just, they just went into Knoxville and beat what I thought was the best college baseball team I had ever seen, you know, at least since I had started paying attention. I think it's going to continue. I don't know why. I could be completely wrong. I mean, Notre Dame is – they play on a turf field at home, play on a turf field in Knoxville, maybe getting on the dirt out there in Omaha changes some things. I, I doubt it. But, uh, you know, they booted the ball around a little bit last year in Starkville. Um, you know what? Since this is the same Notre Dame team as last year, I'm just – I'm going to claim this as a – this year State's back in Omaha. We won the Knoxville Regional. Congrats, Mississippi State. We did it. Everyone said this is a down year. Not. We won. There are four SEC West teams in Omaha. Um, that's unsettling. I think one of the SEC West teams are going to win it. Granted, I have a 50-50 shot, so that's not really saying too much. What I'm going to end it off with here is everyone knows, everyone that listens knows, Ben and I are in a fantasy football group together with six other friends. We're determining the draft order this year by Omaha. So a little more vested uh, rooting interest, watching interest in this one. Based on last year's results and us having to add a new player to the team, or to the, uh, to the league, rather. Yeah, yeah, we drafted teams for Omaha. So, Ben, having won the league last year, I don't know if you guys knew that. He hasn't talked about it at all. Got first pick, took Notre Dame, because we are the world's leading Notre Dame podcast. I ended up at six. Not proud of my performance last year. I vowed to be better this year. I will be better this year. Please, everyone, support me in being better this year. My choices were Oklahoma, Stanford, and Auburn. And uh, the more that I've sat here and thought about it, the more I think I made the worst possible decision. And I chose Oklahoma. So basically what I'm getting at is Boomer Sooner. They have Texas A&M in game one. We'll see how it goes. I don't have the highest of hopes. Kind of feel like an idiot. But usually whenever I feel like an idiot the most is whenever I turn out to be right. Now that I said that, I'll just be an idiot. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up part one of this podcast. Stick around through the break here. We'll have part two. Like I said, new golf panel. Very, very, very enjoyable part. The new guy knows what he's talking about. So with that being said, bye for now. All right, everyone, welcome back to the second half of the B-Team podcast. Uh, as I said earlier, flowing a little bit differently this time, we have a new golf panel, one voice you've heard before and one voice you haven't. So everyone say hey to Pierce Williams and uh, welcome Connor Nason onto the show. Boys, what's going on? Hello to all my 
my avid fans out there. Uh, hey, glad to be here. First time on. Very excited to be talking about golf. Um, I have been waiting for this opportunity for a while now, and I'm finally getting it. So I am very excited to be here. We're glad to have you because usually it's just Pierce and all of his bets lose. Yeah, that's true. It's a tough scene to listen to it um, and just watch it all legitimately go down the drain every week. So I'm excited. Hopefully I can bring a different uh, different take in here and get some good uh, get some good opinions going. All right. Well, the last two weeks have been one of the more exciting periods of time for golf I can remember. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, do y'all want to start with uh, you want to start with the Canadian or what? Like, what do we, what do we want to do here, fellas? Yeah, it was uh, one of the more exciting Sundays of this season, for sure, I'd say. Yeah, I, uh, the Canadian's always a tough tournament, just with, like, it, the, the field's usually weird. This year, the field was fantastic, getting ready for the U.S. Open. And Rory, wouldn't we'll get into this a little bit later, but he needed this big win getting ready for the U.S. Open, especially at the country club. And him literally destroying that golf course was phenomenal to watch. Um, so, I mean, the Canadian is what it is. The golf course they played, it was actually super nice. Um, so, I mean, it was an exciting tournament for sure. It was a lot more eventful than I thought it was going to be. But as predicted, scores were huge. I mean, Rory shot eight under on Sunday. So, yeah, like, I think the worst score in his group was six under. Yeah. And so that's. JT both did that. And Justin Rose shot a 60 on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was on 59 watch for a lot of it and then bogeyed uh, 18. If there's anything that, that crushes your soul more than that, it is just an app like bogeying a last hole to shoot somewhat of a record-breaking round, especially in a career like Justin Rose has had. I mean, it's – God, that sucks. But, you know, it is what it is. That's golf for you. Yeah. Then I did want to say one thing. I don't feel like Tony Finau got the respect he deserved on Sunday. He never gets the respect he deserves because he can't close, Pierce. <laughs> I, but they were always talking JT Rory, JT Rory. And it made me think that, like, Tony Finau was four over on the day and he had the same score as Justin Thomas and ended up solo second. And there's just nothing said about it. I agree with you. There's not a lot that – I mean, but that's the thing. Like, Finau has just – historically, he's not been a person to close in any level of golf tournaments. Like, it's week after week. He's top five, top ten, but he could just, like, never get over the hump of actually securing a win. And it he's sucks. Wins, so. It sucks because he has, like, 14 kids, and he needs the money more than anybody. But, I mean – So, he's like Philip Rivers – of the PGA Tour. Yeah, like, do y'all remember the Masters Par 3 competition? It looked like he had an army on his bag. I mean, it was yeah. like seven kids out there with white jackets on. I mean, it was just insane. He should try to live. 100% should, because <laughs> he would probably get paid a good amount of money. Uh, speaking of Tiny Fina, was the PGA Tour just waiting for like this weekend to bust out that him and Rory live together? Yeah, that seemed like a very random fact that would have been spouted off a long time ago. Yeah, I think they were just trying to uh, 
I think they held that card in because they knew that news was probably going to break that was demeaning to the tour, and they wanted some different media attention somewhere else other than the PGA versus the LIV. So, I mean, it was like going back and forth. So, yeah, they probably held that one in, and old Jay was probably like, oh, let's throw that out right now. What were your thoughts on his uh, mid-round press conference that he did? I didn't really have any. I mean, I mean, yeah, just the press conferences to me are just like they're going to say whatever they're going to say. But I mean, it's I don't really know that. I mean, the press conferences of golfers, it's different now because golf is getting the attention that it's actually getting. And in my opinion, that it deserves to get it should have been getting this attention for years now. But now we actually have an actual competition of golf tournaments with the PGA versus another like actual competitor instead of the DP world. So now the press conferences are meaning more. So I guess now I have to start paying attention to them more because their opinions are going to get more heated and they're going to start saying some uh, very questionable things. So yeah. Last thing I have to say about talking about their interviews and stuff. Last thing I have about it was, Rory taking the shot at Greg Norman immediately after winning mm-hmm. was incredible. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, very good. I'm surprised Greg Norman didn't like bark back at him, or I don't know what sounds sharks make, but I don't. <laughs> the growl. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't do like shout something back at him about that. But of course, the only thing that Greg has to say back is like, look at the money that we're about to bury the pga in so it is what it is if you're greg norman there's not much you can say about rory who has beaten you at every statistic level on the but yeah he doesn't have Rory I, doesn't have any money back from him now i guess greg norman can uh pull his accessibility for greg norman's clothing from <laughs> Roy mcroy i don't know if any of y'all wear the the greg norman apparel but I'd, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have at least one shirt in my closet that was a hand-me-down. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I wore one yesterday. Yeah, not a hand-me-down. It's a sick logo. It is. The sharks could. Um, I wish that they would make live tour stuff on Greg Norman's apparel. Like if they did an LIV golf polo with the shark under it or something or on the sleeve, I would I would buy tens of thousands of them, and that would be my everyday apparel. Okay, so getting into that, let's switch over to the Live. They had their first event this weekend. Are are you a supporter of this league? I am because I am the person that every sport in the world has multiple leagues that has very competitive people in it. Like you think soccer, for example. How many different world soccer leagues are there? Yeah, but soccer is the only example. Baseball. There's there's basketball leagues all across the world. Yeah, but they're not competitive on the talent level. Tennis. Like tennis. Everything is everything is worldly. And I think that this is going to be a good opportunity for people to not only go out and make more money and play less golf and actually be able to instead of playing for what? 40 like 40 weeks out of the year or something 43 yeah like they're 
they're going to be able to go and play maybe even half that, make double the money and play all across the world instead of being centralized in just the United States, a tournament in Canada, a tournament in Mexico, and with the opening exemptions that some of them have for England. There's going to be a good opportunity for them to kind of go and change and also make money. Also, I think the live, like they did a really good job of putting it together very quickly. And like with the broadcast they did on, I mean, it was on YouTube. They're going to have a very hard time competing for TV spots. Like it's going to have to be a streaming platform like they did. That was going to be my biggest compliment to it was it was very easy to find to watch. Mm -hmm. You type it on YouTube and they actually showed the golf shots where there was no like side by side angles of watching a golfer hit a shot, but the volume being on a commercial, it was a much more viewer friendly experience. Yeah. But the product just didn't seem there. Like it wasn't exciting to watch. Yeah. And I don't think the product's going to be there until they get better golfers in. Cause I mean, yeah. that's, I love what they're doing with like the shotgun starts and the team formats. Um, but again, I mean, it, they're going to have to get better golfers in there and it's, Shitty to say, and, like, of course, we're waiting because Patrick Reed's going to play next week or the next live tournament. Apparently, word on the street, Ricky may be joining. So, like, that'll be good. My man, HV3, who's kind of had the Tony Finau syndrome as well about not closing on tour, but always up there lately. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reports came out that he's going to be joining, which was devastating to my brand. Bryson's (laughs) official too, isn't he? Yeah, Yeah. Bryson's official, but everybody kind of saw that one coming. The him and P. Reed joining at the same time, public enemy one and two in the golf world, or they're just making the better name for themselves as the enemies. Yeah, they're going full villain, which I have no choice but to respect. 100%. And I, this is also a very hot take that I have. I love Patrick Reed. Oh, that's, uh, no. I know very little about golf. I know that's a bad (laughs) thing. Like, he is such a douche and he is just so like i i don't know what it is i don't like him as a person but he cracks me up at some of the things that he does and like he is just hilarious like he's such a douche canoe all across the golf course with him or his wife who controls him well they're one and the same i think his wife is like He's just a puppeteer with their hand all the way up his butt controlling every move. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's – but, I mean, his whole thing started back when he was at Georgia and he was stealing stuff out of his teammates' lockers. Yeah. But – and then he transferred to Augusta Augusta University and won a national championship. So, like, maybe he's going to do the same thing here. Like, he's made enemies on the PGA. He's going to go to the live, and he's just going to absolutely destroy people which would be kind of fun to watch. I've I've never been on the side of hatred as much as the normal golf fan for Patrick Reed. Um, I'm kind of for the same reasons you are. I just cheer for douchebags. I find it fun. I mean, it's – That's very on brand for you. (laughs) Yeah, good for my brand. Uh, but the team format that you talked about earlier, I'm a, still a little confused on that on the live. Like, are they redrafting teams every week? And how does that work for like 
because they're going to get better players in, which means they're going to cut worse players who have been drafted. So how does that work with like the money and like team rankings and stuff? Yeah. So it's every week they, I don't, I can't remember if the captains stay the same or if the captains change. I'm pretty sure the captains will change because you're going to have to have uh, Bryson and Patrick be captains for USA fandom or whatever. Ricky too, if he joins. Oh, yeah, 100%. And probably HV3 if he joins. He'd probably be a good captain, too. Um, Pat, Pat yeah. Perez? Think he's at uh, captain level? Yeah, probably not. Pat Perez, and he, he just joined so he can buy his wife a new set um, and move on. I mean, that that <laughs> woman's had like eight or nine boob transplants by now, and she just – probably time for a tire change. I'm not Googling <laughs> anything over here. Yeah, right, well <laughs> – that's on brand for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they yeah. redraft every week, but I don't know either how the point system works as the teams throughout the season goes. I think I'm still a little con- like confused about that because I don't know if like the team like the team names will probably stay the same and everything. And if the captains stay the same or if they add teams, then that's one way that they could do it. But I don't really know how the scoring works of it all. Yeah. I guess they're probably just going to do rankings and then have your final team at some point and then do a tournament. Yeah. I mean, that. I think the team thing was just more of them to to get more viewers of like, ooh, golf can be a team sport like PGA Junior League. Um, where, I don't know, I coached PGA Junior League for a year and I wanted to pull all of my hair and eyebrows out. So, But it's right. – we'll have to see. I mean, it'll be interesting when other people join and more players join how they actually do the team format and how they actually, de- like, decide to do scoring. And I'm sure we'll get a better answer on that either later in this year or after this season's over and they roll into next year. Um, if they're still viable next year, who knows? They may just absolutely tank at the end of this one. So Before we transition over – before we transition over to the U.S. Open, did just want to make a quick note for anyone that didn't see Charles Schwartzel won the inaugural live tournament, I guess is what I'm going to call it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and I believe he stated afterwards that it's like the most money he's won in, what, a decade or something like that, so. Yeah, it was four, I think it was a little over $4 million. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's a good payday. Yeah, the highest purse ever at a golf tournament, and Charles Schwartzel just pocketed that, so. <laughs> That's got to make some of the actually good players turn their attention a little bit more because I saw a stat on Charles Hortel. He's like maybe had one top 25 on tour this year. Mm-hmm. That was the and, Brandel Chambly thing, right? Yeah, I think it was probably Brandel. I've been been seeing a lot of him on the TL lately, and I don't hate it. I never thought I'd be a Brandel Chambly guy, but. I do not like him at all. He, yeah, most people he really he really grinds yeah. my gears on the TV analyst position. Yeah. Uh, who was it? Billy Horschel had a great story about him. He was on the range after a round, and DeShan- uh, uh, Shambly had been getting a lot of grief for never coming down to the range and, like, facing players after he talked crap about them. And Billy Horschel was on the ground with, like – it might have been uh, – 
Schwartzel. It was like him and one other, like somebody not as good as him. And it was like, sun was going down. Nobody else was out there. And Shambly comes down. He's like, Oh, I'm not afraid to come down here now. And Billy looked around. He's like, there's two people out here. What are you talking about? <laughs> God. Billy Horschel. Um, Always I'm, good for uh, a soundbite. Yeah, I don't. I'm a I big Billy guy these days. I like Billy, but he is a psychomaniac. Oh, yeah. He is somebody that would, like, if he had the opportunity, I think, like, he could be either a serial killer or, like, it's Act. it's it's big time Christian Bale vibes in American Psycho. He looks yeah. just like Christian Bale from American Psycho. Like, yeah, he looks like a psychopath. Yeah, um, and I mean, with the blades that he plays, I think he shaves down the leading edge for a reason. So I, I think that if he really wanted to, he could probably get some a, a good rotation on there and just right at the neck on somebody's with a with a seven iron. So those are the those are the takes you get. When it's not just me and Ben, shave down front edge to the jugular. He does. He shaves down the leading edge to get a crisper like turf interaction. Then he also shaves the bounce down on all of his uh, like what iron because he uh, plays like he he plays basically the titleist form of the Ricky irons. I don't know if y'all have seen Ricky's irons that look like you're hitting with a spoon next yeah. to a football, but that's what he plays in the titleist form. And he shaves them down and has to like restamp numbers in because he wants it so flat and like so flat next up to the ball on the ground. Like it's actually insane. So yeah, he could probably kill somebody with a with a <laughs> seven iron if he wanted to. And thank God Tiger didn't play with those in 2008. Am I right? He mm. would have taken his head off. Yeah, it would have. Uh, we would have had no more Tiger. All mm. right. So the U.S. Opens this weekend. Um, Live guys, most of them, some of them coming back on the tour to play this weekend. Uh, do y'all have any particular thoughts on that or just your favorites, betting favorites, anything like that? Part of me wants a live guy to win just because chaos is awesome. And I feel like that would be a big chaos point on the tour. But besides that, I don't really have any takes on them coming back. It's not a PGA tour sanctioned event. So, yeah. And that's, that's another thing of like all of these golf Twitter warriors that want to, and all these golf fans in general, like the, the friends that I have, and we've talked about it that like hate the people going to the live and hate this and hate that. And then you see them interact with fans on the golf course during their practice rounds. People love them like Phil. Yeah. Like, yeah. everybody hated Phil for two months. And then now when he's back on the golf course on American Soul, people are, like, bitten at the – like, they're biting at every inch of him to just talk to him. And it's like, you got to pick a side here. You can't be this hypocritical and like a sport. Like, you got to – that's like saying you hate LeBron and then going to a LeBron-themed birthday party. Like, you can't do that. Like, what, what the hell are we doing here? I'd go to that party. I would not, unless they were serving red wine on Taco Tuesday. That's a that's a LeBron party I would go to. That's every LeBron party. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I don't think a live guy is going to win because the Country Club in itself is a beast, and the redesign that they did is immaculate. So 
they're going to have to be a very good driver of the golf ball because fairways are really tight and the rough is like U.S. Open rough. I mean, it's tough. But they've mowed the fairways down to be – like they're rolling like a 14 on a stint meter. Like it's insane. Did you see the – what was the ninth fairway in a landing zone for like the average driver? If it catches the hill on the left side of the fa- – it's on the fairway. But if it lands on the hill, it just rolls off to the side into the water. Yeah, like it's – it's nuts the way that they've set this golf course up. I mean, it's it's going to be crazy. And that's why, going back to the Canadian, Rory, if he can drive the ball as well as he did there at the country club, like I think he's got a really good shot at winning. And I think he's the favorite in Vegas this week. I think he's at – I want to say I saw it earlier today. He's the favorite. I'm pulling it up. You can keep talking. Rory's my pick for the week. It's not sexy or anything, but I just love Roy McIlroy. I think he's awesome for golf. Uh, I feel like he's become the world's golden boy. Yeah, Rory's Rory's plus 1,000 for this week. He is the favorite. Yeah. So, I mean, if he can play well again and follow up with driving the golf ball, like I think it's going to be a cakewalk for Rory, JT, um, Cam Smith. Cam Smith probably – one of my favorites. Um, They're all three of those are in the top six on favorites. Yeah, I mean Cam Smith, if he can get, if he can actually drive the ball well, he'll he'll do very well at the Country Club. Um, his short game is immaculate, and it that's another thing that's going to be taken very well into consideration is wedge play and putting. And Cam Smith's probably one of the best putters in the world. So, yeah. I will say I will note that Dustin Johnson is the highest odds for a live player at plus six thousand. Damn, he's all the way at six thousand. For for Caesars is plus four. So yeah. Ah. Another sneaky pick I have. I don't know if we have any homosexuals in here, but Max Homa has been playing very good golf lately. His very pregnant wife will be walking the golf course with him. Good mojo all the way around, positive vibes. I like Max Homa. I don't know about to win, but I like Max Homer to make the cut and probably finish top 20. He's plus 3,500 to win on Caesars. Yeah. Make the cut, probably. I don't know about – I love Max Homer. I'm also a homosexual. Shout out, June. But I don't don't know his major – Finishing stats, other than the Masters, of course, which are not good. But I would love to see him up there in that winner's circle. That'd be sick. Yeah. I think he's got to get – I don't know. I don't think he's going to win this week either. But that's. I think he makes the cut, and I think he does a top 20 performance because he's playing the ball. Like, the way that his ball striking is right now, like, he's got to be one of the best ball strikers on tour. And he he can smack it around if he wanted to. Um, yeah. Did y'all see the video he posted of the flop shot? He hit it like a foot and it rolled out like 15 yards or something on the green. Yeah. Yeah. Also, fun fact his uh, swing coach, Blackburn, um, coaches out of Greystone Country Club in Birmingham, Alabama. I went and shadowed him for a couple lessons. So, pretty cool dude. Pretty cool dude. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think. That's probably my sleeper pick of the week would be Max Oma. Other than that, I think it's going to be a very chalk 
major golf tournament with bigger names at the top, smaller names at the bottom. You may have a few mixed up in there. Um, I think the narrative of the live guys being there is going to go to waste as soon as the tournament starts. And I think that nothing's really well, going to How do you think Bryson will fare? Uh, I don't, I think he misses the cut. Woo. Let's go. I mean, I think with his hand, like, I mean, he broke like what two bones in his hand and like, he's just coming back swinging full force. So, yeah. Like I don't, I don't think he can get it around because, I mean, two or three swings out of that rough that they have, like, I've got a real real possibility of re-injuring that. So, I just don't think he plays up to what he could possibly play if he was at full health. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with everything you just said, but with a lot less knowledge. I do think it's going to be a big name who's going to win it. Um, but hopefully somebody that we all like and can cheer for. I, I would love to see Rory – back up there and just kind of whip it back out on them two weeks in a row. What do y'all think the winning score is going to look like? I, yeah, uh, I think even – I think even could win it from everything I've read and heard about the course this week. Yeah, I think – let me look at the weather for Boston or Brookline because that'll be a good telltale – 40% chance of rain on Friday, but everything else. Damn, the weather in Brookline looks actually pretty tasty next week. Um, anyway, it's a lot better than 100-degree weather down here in the south. But, um, yeah, I think it's either going to – it's going to probably either be between even or, like, seven or eight under will probably win. If somebody can go out there and shoot two to three under a day, they'll probably take home – they'll probably take the cake. Oh, yeah. Two to three under. Uh, like thing. one day or all th all four days? Like a combination of two or three of the days. If they can go out and shoot, like, even two under, make the cut, go out Saturday. Because Saturday is your, your moving day and your scoring day. So you'll have a little bit better conditions on Saturday, especially if it rains on Friday and it softens everything up. Saturday, people are actually going to be able to get some, some low scores out, especially Saturday morning. So, I mean, I think if you're able – like Thursday through Saturday, if you're able to go three or four under, you're in really good position to win a golf tournament. Last thing I had before we wrap up here, fellas. Um, did you all see Brooks' interview today about um, like they keep bringing up the Live Tour and how it takes away from what's going on in the PGA Tour? Do you have any thoughts on that? I loved it. Yeah, I loved it as well. I mean, it as simple as it could be. I mean, I, and that's the thing is Brooks little brother plays on the live. Yeah. So, I mean, like Brooks, I mean, and the, the way that he put it of just like it legitimately, like you're just throwing narratives around of like, you're pulling attention that we need here to everywhere else in the world. It's ridiculous. And like that's, I mean, I think it was a direct quote. He was like, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of talking about it, everything. So like, I loved it. Loved Brooks's mentality there. Also, congrats to Brooks. Um, he got married, I think it was last week or week before. Um, Wedding looked awesome. Oh, my God, of course. He is – he's got it made, brothers. He has, uh, he has got it made. Does he? Yes. <laughs> yes. Jennifer gives off big, crazy energy. I don't really it's care. It's not always she, a bad thing, my man. Yeah, she is uh, – 
very, very attractive. So got it made, got it made. Guys, are there any other uh, talking points you all want to hit on? Um, no, I mean, you can't take anything away from the LPGA, even though I don't really watch that. If you, I will give a shout out. If you want to watch some good swing videos, watch the LPGA. Um, mm -hmm. Their tempo is a madhouse there. So it's a tempo, just dynasty on the LPGA tour. I don't think if they're playing this week, I think it's a smaller tournament. So yeah, it is what it is. And I doubt any of uh, our listeners will, are big LPGA watchers. So. Well, yeah, guys, I appreciate it. Nason, you killed it, man. So what a debut from the kid. Again, thanks for having me. This was incredible. So much fun. Yeah, everyone, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Um, we have a little special surprise next week. Should be fun. Uh, but we hope you all tune back in. With that being said, we're out of here.